0: Week three approaches. The Titans take on the Browns in Cleveland this week. We're gonna preview that game. We got a great guest coming on to give us the Browns scoop. We're gonna get into all the matchups to watch and how the Titans can come away two and one from this one. This is the Music City Audible. Let's get to it.
1: We the one <laughs> We the ones <laughs> they, yeah. 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 they talking
0: about. Broadway Sports. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad,
2: but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle
0: of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we yeah.
1: got. Hey, Titans
0: on three. One, two, three. Nine. Nine. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver with me as always Justin Mello and Justin we got two one in one teams meeting this weekend. One team will go to two and one one team will go to one and two barring a tie, which we're not going to talk about. Let's get into this game. How's it going, Justin?
2: Doing well. Excited to preview this one. I, I'm expecting a really, really physical game here between the Titans and the Browns. And we got a great guest coming on to help us preview it uh, in a couple minutes here.
0: Yeah, well, welcome on Jeff Lloyd here in a few minutes, the host of the Locked on Browns podcast. We've had him on the show before. He's great. He really knows the team, so we're going to get the inside scoop on the Browns from him. But let's start with just our own general thoughts and takeaways. I'm going to go really broad here and kind of build off of what you just said, that this is going to be a physical game. Watching that game on Monday night between the Browns and the Steelers... I noticed some key areas of weakness for the Browns and some key areas of strengths. And it lines up a lot of with what the Titans do well and don't do well, which is that it seems like the Browns are struggling on offense. They're dealing with some injuries. Obviously we saw the gruesome Nick Chubb injury on Monday night and the heart goes out to him. That's horrible. You never want to see that. So he's going to miss this game. That's three weeks in a row. The Titans will see a team missing their starting running back. Alvin Kamara week one, uh, Austin Eckler week two, and now Nick Chubb will miss week three. Deshaun Watson continues to struggle um, since taking over as the Browns quarterback, coming off that suspension um, more than midway through last year. But overall, the Browns offense kind of struggling. The Browns defense has played really well. I mean, the Browns could have won 22 to 12 in that Monday night game if uh, they don't turn the ball over, leading to defensive touchdowns twice. You know, the first play of the game and then one of the last plays of the game. Really horrible look for the Browns offense who just struggled with turnovers and mistakes, fumbles all over the field. But then you look at their defense. They have a ferocious defensive line. Miles Garrett, another guy that could be dealing with an injury this week. We'll have to monitor his status. He briefly, you know, appeared to leave the Monday night game with some sort of ankle tweak, but he stayed in after that and kept playing. Didn't have much production after that injury. So we'll have to monitor his status this week. But they have some good players in the secondary. It's not an elite defense, but it's a tough defense just really similar to the Titans. They want to be a run first team, even without Nick Chubb. They're going to give it to Jerome Ford a lot. He's going to be their lead back. They're going to try to grind out yards. They're going to try to put pressure on the quarterback and make this a close gritty game. These two teams are are an interesting matchup because they're so similar.
2: Yeah, I've got a couple of thoughts. First off, as you said, you know, heart goes out to Nick Chubb in that injury. I, I was watching that game with a friend last night it was a stark reminder for me to how quickly things change in football. Cause I looked over at my friend and I thought Chubb was playing really well, right. Throughout the early portion of that game, just a reminder of what a terrific running back he is. One of the best in the NFL. I looked over at a friend of mine and I said, Titans are going to have to really, you know, watch out for Chubb. I know we feel like it's a foregone conclusion that the Titans run D is so good, but I wouldn't be surprised if Chubb has success. He's just that good where, he could, you know, he could beat anybody, and they got a great O line, in my opinion. Even right now, without Conklin, I still think it's a, a pretty decent O line, especially yeah. in run blocking. And and it was just plays later where that happened, and I was like, brutal. Oh my, I I really could not believe that that's that's how it played out. But um, heart goes out to him. I thought Jerome Ford looked good in relief. You know, he came did. in had more than hundred yards. This is a guy that you know barely played last year. Was drafted to be the replacement for Kareem Hunt. You know, they planned that in advance. They did a good job. They knew that contract was expiring, couldn't re-sign him. Uh, they went out and drafted Ford. And again, more than a hundred yards last year, ripped off a 69 yard run rate he should have gotten to the end zone and just did not yeah. Right. Stumbled right at the end. They end up scoring on the next drive or, or sort of, I believe it was the next play, but um, switching things over, switching gears. I, I do want to talk about the defense a little bit before we bring Jeff on. And we're going to ask him this question. So I probably won't get too much into this, but I don't know if Titans fans appreciate or realize how bad this Browns defense was last year. It was terrible. I mean, they couldn't stop a nosebleed. Up the middle, they were horrific. Like Teams just ran the football at will on them. 90 different so far this year. Now, they went out in free agency, and I thought they made a really smart, shrewd signing in Dalvin Tomlinson, who's playing outstanding football for them. He's plugging up the middle, certainly a lot better than they did last year. And how about hiring ex-Titans assistant Jim Schwartz? to be the defensive coordinator. I mean, what a great move that was. I thought it was a a terrific hire at the time. It's only been two games, but Schwartz has them playing really, really high quality football. I mean, they held Joe Burrow to like 80 passing yards in week one and below 50% completion percentage. And you saw what they did on Monday night. The Steelers did not have much offense at all. Again, they do not win that game without those two defensive touchdowns. So This defense is playing really, really well. All the credit in the world to Jim Schwartz, who, again, I I thought was an outstanding hire at the time. Titans were sad to lose him. You knew he was going to take that job, get his hands on a pass rusher like Miles Garrett. I mean, Jim Schwartz has had so much success throughout his career with talented pass rushers and hey call me crazy miles garrett might be the most talented one he's ever coached so what an opportunity that is for him and you're already seeing him do some different things with garrett everyone saw the viral clip in week one of garrett uh playing basketball right doing the crossover before the snap as he's lined up right above the center i think it was and just totally embarrasses the interior uh, of the bengals offensive line on route to the backfield so this is a this is a good football team man i think titans fans are sort of sleeping on how difficult this game is.
0: Yeah, I agree. I just think, you know, it's going to be one of those games where the defense does its job mostly throughout the game. The Browns will make some plays. You know, they have a talented receiving core, especially with Amari Cooper. Elijah Moore hasn't been a huge factor yet, but we know he has game-breaking potential. David Njoku is a mismatch over the middle. They have weapons on offense for Watson to utilize, but Watson has been just struggling to have a feel in the pocket to run the offense as structured and not get, you know, like he he gets impatient and and then holds the ball and tries to create something down the field. And it's kind of what we saw in Houston, except it's not working because the offense isn't set up the same way. So he's not playing well in structure. So I think the Titans defense will do their job in this game, hold the Browns to a limited number of points. But the question is going to be how many points can the Titans offense score? Because, This is going to be a real test for this offensive line that's played well. We keep talking about it on this podcast. They've been playing at or above a league average level. Well, this is going to be a huge test for them. I think Tim Kelly is going to be someone that, you know, this is a game where he's got to prove that he can play to his team's strengths and avoid his team's weaknesses and do things to help out the offensive line. We saw them keeping extra blockers in and running a lot of play action against the Chargers. Really talented front last week. Probably see a little bit more of that. A commitment to the run game we saw last week. I think we're gonna see that again this week as well. Even if it's just like a grinded out two to three to four yards a carry, not a whole lot of room to to make big explosives in the run game, they've gotta do it just to keep that defensive line honest and then get the screen game going. Titans tried some screens in this last game and you know they either were tackled quickly and 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 snuffed out by the by the brown or by the Chargers defense, or they never got set up. And you know there was that one where Tannehill ate the sack. There was another one where they tried to run a quick screen and the ball got batted back at Tannehill's face, and he had to spike it to the ground to avoid a, a turnover. So there, are, like the screen game hasn't really been working well. They hit a nice one to Chigakonquo early in the game last week, but things like that to mitigate what this offensive line mismatch is facing against a really tough Browns front seven.
2: Well, before we previewed the Chargers game, or sorry, during the Chargers preview, I should say, we talked about how important it was for Ryan Tannehill to get the ball out of his hands quickly, right? And he improved from what was the 3.09 seconds against the Saints, snap to throw to what, about 2.45,
0: 2.50,
2: against the Chargers. I think that's going to be another point of emphasis in this game because you just can't have Miles Garrett pin his ears back and get after the quarterback, right? Whether he and and by the way, I, I'm going to add, I don't think Miles Garrett's going to miss this game. I mean, I know they got I the Ravens. Either. They're on a short week. They've got the Ravens the following week. I'd be stunned if Miles Garrett didn't play in this game. Whether he's going up against Andre Diller, who's had his struggles, or Chris Hubbard, who's been pretty good. In fact, I, I, Miles Garrett essentially against any tackle in the. NFL I give the advantage to Miles Garrett right there might be one or two oh, yeah. of them that I think can can hold up you know Trent Williams in San Francisco certainly one of them but uh, Miles Garrett's got the advantage so they got to get the ball out quickly and the, the final thing I'll say about the, the offense and what they've got to do here to add on to your point is uh, you talked about keeping them honest you've also got to avoid the pre-snap penalties right, that we talked about that's kind of doomed them a little. Uh, Certainly, it, it felt like it was a drive killer every time it happened against the Chargers. You don't want to get yourself into third and long and tip pass Because, again, that's when Miles Garrett and those rushers, Dalvin Tomlinson up the middle, get to pin their ears back and get after Ryan Tannehill. So you've got to stay ahead of the sticks, keep the offense on schedule. You want to be in, you know, second and five, second and six situations where you're still, you know, you could run or pass, and certainly you want to be, you know, third third and four or less when you do get into third down. So it'll be interesting to see how they approach that, what the splits are, again, between Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears. But uh, uh, certainly they've got to stay ahead of schedule and, and, and keep Cleveland's defensive line honest, as you said.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. And I think, you know, hitting the explosives that you get, we saw week one, they missed big opportunities down the field. Week two, they were able to hit those big opportunities. The Browns, like I mentioned, have a talented secondary. Denzel Ward is probably going to be seeing a lot of DeAndre Hopkins in this game. So moving Hopkins around, getting him in the slot to find some mismatches like they did on uh, on a few plays last week um, will be important too. And when we talk about the Titans defense, I really think this is just going to be a game of play, Play your rules and play hard and, you know, keep the man in front of you. But I honestly think the Titans defense can more or less dominate the Browns offense, especially if Watson continues to just not see things very well. This... Offensive line for the Browns, you mentioned it's pretty good. It is pretty good in run. I think in run blocking, they're better than than they are as a pass protecting unit because we, look, the Steelers are a great defensive line, but I would put the talent on the Titans defensive line up against, you know, almost any in the league, oh, but absolutely. definitely against the Steelers. They don't have a TJ Watt the way the Steelers do, but and the Steelers have a number of rotational and role players that are that are pretty good. Alex Highsmith would maybe be the best edge rusher on the Titans too. Um but Cameron Hayward is out right now. He didn't play in this game on Monday night and we still saw the the Steelers defensive line just completely overwhelm the Browns offensive line. Jeffrey Simmons, Denico Autry, Arden Key, Harold Landry. I I'd put that group here Tart. I'd put that group up against anyone in the league and and you know, maybe the Cowboys might might be the the one team the Eagles maybe The two teams that are playing better than the Titans defensive line so far this season. But what we saw the Steelers do to that offensive line, I feel like we can see the Titans do that. And if they're even just half as disruptive as the Steelers were, there's going to be the opportunity to create game changing turnovers just like the Steelers did. And the defense has got to capitalize on those opportunities or else, you know, they may not have the impact on the game that the Titans need them to have.
2: I, I do agree that the D line is going to have opportunities to make plays against this offensive line. And and, and I think it's a good offensive line, but I, I do think there are opportunities to expose them in certain areas. Certainly Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt, they're one of the better one, two punches in football, right? So full respect to the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line. And those were the two guys that scored the defensive touchdowns, right? It was Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt. So uh, full right. credit to them, but Uh, You know, Jedrick Wills at left tackle. I don't think is playing quite as well as he was early on in his career. We saw him get badly on that one snap right around the edge. So I think Arden Key will have a chance to beat Jedrick Wills uh, on Sunday. in fact, I think, uh, you know, it's it's a more favorable matchup for Arden Key than, than Rashawn Slater was in week two going up against Jedrick Wills. And then certainly a rookie fourth rounder, Dewan Jones at right tackle, who I was very high on. And I think Dewan played well, given the circumstances on Monday. I really think he did. He got beat uh, TJ Watt that one time around the edge, but, who, who doesn't DJ Watt beat number one? And secondly, Dewan Jones is actually their highest graded uh, uh, blocker in pass protection by pro football oh, wow. focus. But again, I, I like Harold Landry's chances. Certainly if Landry can get him, you know, DeJuan Jones is a mammoth man, 6'8", 350, 360, whatever he is. If Landry can beat him around the edge, use that classic speed move, he should be able to have the advantage, you would think, right, Harold Landry uh, with that bend around the edge. So uh, there will be opportunities yeah. for the Titans' D-lines to make plays in this game. They just got to make them.
0: You mentioned Jedrick Wills there. Let me just read some stats. Ryan McChrystal tweeted this out, uh, I think on yeah, Tuesday morning. Jedrick Wills pressure rate allowed. Twenty 2020, twenty three point three percent, twenty twenty-one, five point eight percent, twenty twenty two six point two percent through two games in twenty twenty-three. 10.7%. He's already more than halfway to the total pressures he allowed in 15 games as a rookie, that being in 2020. Um, he's at nine pressures allowed this season in two games. So there, like you, we just said, there will definitely be opportunity. It's just going to be up to the Titans to capitalize on it. Um, any key matchups you want to point out in this game before we bring on our guest?
2: No, I think some of those that we just brought up make a lot of sense, right? The The Titans D-line there. Against the Browns edge. I, I would look certainly at, you know, uh, you talked about the receivers. Amari Cooper is Christian Fulton back in time. We'll have to monitor that. Mike Vrabel did say he was hopeful that they'll get Fulton and Amani Hooker back uh, for that fact. David Njoku is a guy that can stretch the seam and make plays up the middle. So, you know, Titans linebackers, Ezekiel Shire. I will probably be tasked with covering him on occasion. Uh, Again, I I mean, Amari, whether that's Christian Fulton, Sean Murphy, Bunting, Amari Cooper's a top 20 receiver in this league, in my opinion. So those are some of the ones. And of course, I talked about Miles Garrett against, you know, certainly the likes of Andre Dillard and and, and Chris Hubbard. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the Titans will need to keep extra guys in protection to help out against Miles Garrett. It's a guy that's like wherever he is before the snap, you got to identify him and get two blockers on him or he is going to disrupt the entire play. So um, I think that does it for our side of the preview. Let's now welcome in our guest, host of the Locked On Browns podcast, Jeff Lloyd. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. How's it going?
1: Uh, It's hard to see, you know, been a little bit of a, you know, hectic, chaotic about, I guess, maybe 12, 14 hours now. Um, yeah, what sure. was supposed to be such a highly anticipated game last night? The Browns had a lot of like wrongs. You know they hadn't gone two and zero since ninety three, uh, hadn't won at Pittsburgh other than a playoff game since two thousand and three, um, and then you're on the verge of that. Then you lose, you know, obviously one of the faces of your franchise, what Nick Chubb has done in his time here as far as just being, you know, a great representative of the team, the city. I mean, it's work in the community. It's just really, really, you know, a a tough time because a player like that is just one where there's, you know, look, everybody will argue any player on any team at any time. It was never those arguments on Nick Chubb. When Nick Chubb's name came up, everyone was kind of like, oh, yeah, he bad, he good, you know. I mean, like nobody ever, ever had a, you know – a bad thing about the player to say or about the person.
0: No doubt. Yeah. Um, So while while you're on the subject there, it was an awful season ending injury. No one wants to see that. And the the talk is obviously going to be dominated by Nick Chubb's injury now, but how do you think the offense will adjust going forward uh, without him this season?
1: It was weird because, you know, all the talk had been over the spring and summer that this team was going to involve, in, evolve into Deshaun Watson's team, you know, they were going to, you obviously still have Nick Chubb, but the point of emphasis was, you know, in, with the additions of Elijah Moore, Cedric Tillman, Marquise Goodwin, was trying to put yourself in a position where, you know, you were going to hopefully make sure that your $230 million investment in a Deshaun Watson hit, um, it's, it's, it's not there, obviously, um, you know, will it get better by the fact that it has to get better? Uh, we don't know. Um, but in the same respect, he's got to get, you know, up to a better level. He doesn't have to play like Josh Allen. He doesn't have to play like Patrick Mahomes. This Browns defense is really, really good. But he's got to make the plays when they're there. And 22 of 40, that just ain't going to cut it when you're making $230 million.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And um As the Browns try to replace Nick Chubb, I mean, that's impossible. Nobody can do that. But do you think Jerome Ford can pick up some of the
1: slack? Uh, Jerome Ford, look, I mean, we didn't get to see him last year. at eight carries. He was essentially the fourth running back from this team. The only thing we saw was him was really be the kick returner. And he was actually really good at it last year. He was one of the bright spots on what was a – Overall was a you know basically a down season, hmm. um, but you know forced into the fire last night like I mean you know basically just thrown into the fire against the Pittsburgh Steelers that's not an easy easy situation to walk into and imagine walking into that huddle you know some heads are down you know Nick is Nick is close with everybody and you know to go in there and you know basically finish that drive get the touchdown get the two-point conversion, then, you know, going, you know, all the way basically almost, you know, outside of the right hash mark, cutting it all the way back across the field, basically going 70 yards for a touchdown, you saw potential. And, you know, you saw a kid that basically came into a really, really bad situation and a really tough situation, and it didn't seem to phase him like he was ready to go. You know, that being said, I mean, to this point, you know, eight carries last year, what he's done to this point this year, you know, can he do something? That's, you know, what we're hoping for. Jeff, uh, I know you already touched on
2: Watson a little bit, but I I feel like I've got to expand on it. Um, Certainly, I think it's fair to say they haven't gotten their return on the investment yet with Deshaun Watson. You know, last year, coming off the 11-game suspension, there's a bit of a built-in excuse there, right? And it's certainly shaking off the Ross, and that makes sense. It's a legitimate excuse. And we're only two games in right now. But as you said, you know, they, they made some investments around him. You certainly expected it to be a lot better this year. And thus far, it hasn't been. So at what point do we start to worry and say, OK, he's had ample time to shake off the rust? And, and, and sort of when is it appropriate to maybe hit that panic button on Deshaun Watson? And
1: it's actually funny the way you, know, you phrased the question, because it does make, you know, obviously a ton of sense, because, look, he had the entire offseason. He had all OTAs. You know, anywhere he went to work out, Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore showed up in tow even when they weren't team-sanctioned things. He had all a training camp. He had preseason. And what happened? Didn't play so great week one. But what did everybody try to say? Oh, well, the weather wasn't that great, this, that, and the other thing. And granted, he started slow week one, but he took a big hit, like right around the two-minute warning, and then led to the touchdown drive. And he seemed to play better after that. I think the problem is – and look, it's time to say it. Yeah. You know, look, I mean – the thing is, he wasn't injured, and that was always the thing I said for anybody that denied that he could maybe get back to his you know high playing ability again. He wasn't injured; it wasn't mm-hmm. like he was you know an Achilles, a knee, something with his arm, with his shoulder. He was never injured, so you, you know you can't that water. I mean, you can't use that as an excuse. Obviously, the missed time is one thing, sure, but you know he's had plenty of time now to be back in football. So you're certainly concerned. There's no question. I think the biggest thing I'm noticing, and look, he's always been an athletic quarterback who can make plays, but I think he leaves the pocket. And that's okay. When quarterbacks can do what guys like Deshaun Watson can do, it's okay if they leave a pocket. But I don't think he's doing it essentially with a purpose. You know, is he leaving the pocket because he sees yardage to be had with his legs? Is he leaving the pocket because now he wants to go scramble drill? It doesn't seem like he knows exactly why he's leaving the pocket. So you got to have a purpose mm. with that. And you know, he's got the players to do it. you know, you got nice slot players. David Bell had a couple of grabs last night. Elijah Moore is obviously a player they think could be a really, really big target for them and a really big contributor on offense. Um, You know, he can't get this win on Sunday. And, you know, I love Nick Chubb. I I truly do. And I really think he's going to be a really, really difficult thing to replace. But, you know, you look at the teams with the good quarterbacks in the NFL and say, you know, is Patrick Mahomes going to be that much in a tough spot if he loses his top running back? Josh Allen, are you going to expect an expectation or a drop-off because he doesn't have James Cook? It shouldn't be the case. You know, you're the most important position in the league. You are, you know, the highest-paid guys. And guess what? Anytime something goes wrong, it means that more goes on the quarterback's plate, and you're supposed to embrace it, and you're supposed to find a way to navigate yourself and your team to victory
2: hit the nail on the head there, Jeff. And i uh, be very, very curious to monitor his progress moving forward. Certainly against a really tough Titans defense on Sunday. Um, switching things over to the defensive side of the ball, Jeff, I, I said earlier on this podcast, this episode, I don't know the Titans fans appreciated or appreciate how bad this Browns defense was last year. It was not good. In my opinion, certainly they were very leaky up the middle, right? Teams ran the football at them at will, couldn't do anything to stop it. And, Titans fans, uh, we shed a bit of a tear when when they hired away Jim Schwartz, Titans defensive assistant, to be the defensive coordinator. And we shed a tear because we knew it was a terrific hire for the Cleveland Browns. And I would say through two weeks, Schwartz uh, has them firing on all cylinders. I, I thought they've looked outstanding. Certainly some of the new pieces have helped. I think Dalvin Tomlinson was a, a nice addition in the offseason. Uh, but what are some of the things you feel that Schwartz is doing differently from, I believe it was Joe Woods, the defensive coordinator last year, that's better positioning this
1: defense for the success we're currently seeing? Well, the Browns last year just let teams run on them. They didn't care. They didn't do anything about it. And look, really. You know, if it's if it's your 4-3 base and it's not getting done, well, then play five defensive linemen. I mean, you've got to do something. I mean, there was a drive against the Atlanta Falcons last year. It was just absolutely embarrassing. The, the Falcons, the Falcons after about 13 plays through the ball, I think they just felt bad. That's why they just like, you know what, let's call a pass here because, you know, we're just humiliating these guys. But it was not only – the Jim Schwartz thing was obviously huge. But, you know, look, you you know, any defense coordinator, any coordinator, you're always good as what you're working with. And they made that that point of emphasis. You got him Okoronkwo. You got him Dalvin Tomlinson. Then you go, you draft, you know, you draft Ika, you draft uh, you know, McGuire. And then guess what? That was pretty good. Uh, you know what? Let's go make the trade for Zedaria Smith. Why not? Because, you know, because. Jim wants to be able to have fresh defensive linemen on the field at all times. If you're going to play that type of aggressiveness and you're going to put that much on your interior defensive linemen and, of course, your edge guys, you got to know that they cannot be gassed because you're basically asking them to sell out on every single play. So then they did that. And, of course, then the Shelby Harris signing late in the summer. Um, The linebacker unit, look, it's not that the linebacker unit is playing that much better. Most of these guys were gone last year. You know what I'm saying? J.O.K. was on, on IR. Anthony Walker was on IR. Sione Taki was on IR. All these guys were gone as it really started to fall apart on the defensive side of the ball. And one of the interesting things, and this is something we always talk about with a guy like Grant Elpit, because, you know, modern-day linebackers, Grant Elpit's pretty much the say, size of a modern-day linebacker, and he's faster. So now the Browns are taking opportunities where they can use him because they signed Rodney McLeod to play with Juan Thornhill. And they have Grant Elpit playing closer to the line of scrimmage. He was lined up as a nickel linebacker on that interception last night. That's why Kenny Pickett didn't see him. He saw 22 and said, well, there's no way he's going to be there because normally, you know, he's a safety. You're going to watch the tight end. He's going to watch an outer third. No, absolutely fell forward, hook, line, and sinker, ended up throwing the interception. They have a lot of talent. And the thing is, is they know they're a talented group, but it's different to be a talented group and know you have the leader that's going to put you in the position to succeed like you did. And the thing with those uniforms last night is, unless they were zooming in, you didn't really see the numbers, but all you saw was white and orange side to side, white and orange. And you saw so many guys moving in unison. This is a fast defense. And it's, you know, one of the oldest cliches in the, in football is no hats to the ball. But man, you are truly seeing a bunch of hats to the ball. Cause even when guys cut back, they're not getting anything on cutbacks because yeah, you might've beat the initial guy, but guess what? He showed up with two or three buddies.
0: Yeah, really. I mean, that, that's been an issue for a lot of teams around the league. The offensive line plays down around the league, it seems like. And there's a lot of great D-lines out there. Browns have one of them. Titans have one of them. So this probably will be another gritty game for the Titans and for the Browns. Um, Jeff, we really appreciate your time here as we close up with one last question. We do this with all of our guests on the preview episode. How would you predict this game unfolds? Like, How do you see the game flow playing out? And if you are up for it, an ultimate score prediction for who comes out on top.
1: Obviously, you know, I, it's it's a little early as we're still putting week two to bed uh, over here. Um, but it's interesting. You know, Obviously, Tennessee with a big win last week. I think a lot of people are curious where Tennessee is exactly going. Is it going to be Ryan Tannehill if they stay in contention? Um, is it, you know, Ryan Tannehill then maybe when they fall out, all right, maybe we're going to see where we're at a little bit with Levis or whatever. whatever. Um, but, you know, they play good defense. They run the ball well. I mean, you know, it's not everybody's recipe for winning and competing in the NFL, but, you know, the Titans, similar to the Browns, it's been a recipe that's worked for them over the years. Um, so it, it's going to be fun from that standpoint. Obviously, you know, you were able to get the wide receivers involved a little bit more. Um, the Browns cornerbacks have been ridiculously good to this point. I think Traylon Burks, Martin Emerson's is probably going to be a pretty solid matchup come Sunday. Um, your prediction... It's going to be the thing is going to be can the Browns truly rally around this and everybody last night kind of made it sound like, you know, and we're saying the right things, um, but it's going to come down to number four. And it feels weird hmm. to have to say this. It feels weird to have to hope for this, to be honest with you. But, you know, I mean, he's being paid like one of the best in the game. He's got to go out there and perform like it. And he just, you know, there's throws he's not seeing. Amari Cooper was open on an all-day route yesterday. How he missed him, I have no idea because Amari Cooper was the only guy in the stinking picture. Um, He's got to play more composed. And, you know, making a big play every now and then with your legs is great. But, I mean, you know, Deshaun Watson was a guy who was a 4,000-yard passer. I think the Browns would like to see that as opposed to a guy who's throwing for about, I think, 350 through two games. But, you know, my heart of hearts, would I say the Browns should win? I think the Browns should win, but I say that a lot. It doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> it pans out.
0: Yeah, that's how Titans fans feel as well. You know, it's it's a long season, lots of things, lots of ups and downs. Browns feeling a little down this week after the Chubb injury and the, the pretty late, brutal loss there on Monday night. But I think, you know... This is still a playoff contending team for both sides, and uh, this game will be a big one to set the season in motion for the rest of the way. Jeff, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us, and uh, have a great season.
1: All the best, gentlemen. Thanks for having me today.
0: All right, thanks again to Jeff Lloyd for joining us. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. That has two L's, L-L-O-Y-D, and uh, get all his insights during this Titans-Browns game from the opposite side. Um, All right, Justin, let's close this thing out with our own predictions. But before we give ours, let's read some listener predictions. I sent out a tweet asking for people to drop theirs, and I'm going to go through some of them here. Uh, Bill Seagrove says I think the front seven will be in Watson's personal space all day Henry and Spears need to take their supplements this week because it's gonna get ugly Titans win it 21-17 and KB gets his first interception I like that I agree with a lot of that um Caleb Miller says, I feel like the only realistic prediction for the outcome of this game is that one fan base will end up being hopelessly depressed. As a Browns fan, I have zero expectations and am frankly just scared. I do not want to watch them, but I unfortunately will. Browns <laughs> 79, Titans 69. I don't know about that one. Um, Eddie says, thirty. 17 Sounds excited 17. that football's back though. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds ready to enter a football-induced <laughs> depression. But um, I guess that happens for to the some of us. <laughs> yeah, already. They're they're looking at the draft, I guess. Um, Eddie says 35-17 Titans. Bold wow. prediction. Hopkins gets two touchdowns. Burks gets one. And a pair for the running back duo. Parentheses. We need a game for them. LOL. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's predicting a big offensive explosion. I actually agree with a different prediction here from Grizzler. Sadly, this is not the game where we, meaning the Titans, break 30. Brown's defensive front and above average secondary are too much to break that ceiling. 17-10, Titans pull out the win. I like that prediction a lot. 17-10, I think it's going to be that kind of game. I definitely agree this is not the one where the Titans are going to hang a 30-burger unless the defense does some of the scoring like we saw the Steelers do on Monday night. But Justin, what's your prediction for the outcome of this one?
2: Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I was going to go with the Browns victory before the Nick Chubb injury.
0: Um, it changes. Oh, so just before seeing, me. before seeing them play on Monday night, you were just going to predict that they beat the Titans.
2: <laughs> I honestly, yes, I was. I, I just, you know, I, the way I was going into it was, you know, that, that's going to be a tough road environment. Nothing I saw on Monday from the Browns stunned me, right? Like I knew, I felt good that they've got a great defense, a good run game, and, and the quarterback's still sort of figuring things out. So I was going to go with the Browns' victory, and then the Chubb injury just changes enough for me where I'm going to point hmm. this back in the Titans' direction. So I'm going to go 17-13 Titans in a really gritty, sort of ugly defensive first kind of game. I'll be honest, I still don't feel great about it. Like, I would not be surprised if the Titans lost this game, because a lot of what I believed is still true. Uh, tight, you know, Brown's corners are outstanding. D-line's good enough to impact the pocket and get to Tannehill. I think it's one of the toughest road environments in the entire National Football League. Um, so I I, I I, don't love it. I don't feel great about it. But the Chubb injury, again, because I, I had such a close game regardless, is going to change just enough for me, 17-13 Titans.
0: Okay, I like that prediction. Um, it, it, do the Browns still have the elf thing in the middle of their field? The elf logo, Jamar Chase talking about I, well, them. We lost to a bunch of elves. Jamar Chase talked about it after week one, so I, I would
2: like. I, I doubt they removed so. it that quickly, but I'm not certain.
0: Yeah, so we'll see the Titans play on the on the elf field this weekend. Um, I'm going to go with a Titans win. 20-16, to 16. that's three Browns field goals for you. Titans have a tough red zone defense. They've played well this year. I think they hold the Browns out of the end zone outside of maybe one time. And then themselves, maybe I've got them scoring a couple touchdowns and a couple Nick Folk field goals in this one. I do kind of think this is like a first team to 20 sort of wins the game here oh, yeah. because <laughs> it's going to be a struggle to score points. It's going to be a, just a classic, gritty, tough knife fight of a Titans game. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, to you know, being incredibly anxious throughout the game as it comes down to a final possession where the defense needs to stop or the offense needs to score it's going to be one of those two things so uh, we'll see how this goes but that will do it for this episode make sure you're following justin on twitter at justin m underscore nfl follow me at titans film room and please a reminder to all subscribe to the youtube channel I, I did a breakdown yesterday of Traylon Burke's 70-yard uh, receiving or 70-yard reception that sparked the Titans offense. That video is doing pretty well, if I do say so myself. So go check it out if you missed it. And for the YouTube viewers, I have a surprise, a special surprise. This is a surprise to you, too. You don't even know I'm doing this. Uh, I have been recording this entire episode with a guest on my lap. Here is my dog, Bean. He is a wow. cute dachshund he's been under my shirt this entire podcast and i thought i would reveal him to the viewers here at the end as a bonus for being a viewer of the show you can see how cute my little dog is okay that'll do it um yeah go ahead <laughs> I, I thought you were
2: getting a little pudgy. i didn't want to say anything i was say I, good for him he's eating well he lives with his girlfriend now they're cooking meals together you know what i mean i guess he's just eating well but no it was not i'm, I'm happy to see it's not you neglecting Your health is the fact that you had your dog (laughs) under your shirt the whole time. And might I just say this now makes it a very special episode because we just broke our one guest rule. We normally only have one guest on the pod. Oh, wow. We had two this week.
0: Yeah, but this one's been very quiet, which, you know, we like that. It, it could have been worse. It could have been barking and whining all the whole time, but no. Um, all right, that'll do it. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll be back with more content this week and a recap episode next week of this Browns-Titans game before we move on to week four. So thanks again to everyone for watching and listening. Until next time, y'all stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.